1: going to the NFL because the Green Bay Packers are working to restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract according to Ian Rapoport. However, there's some uncertainty about how the Packers are going to restructure this because they could simply convert Aaron Rodgers' salary into a signing bonus and that would create some salary cap space, but apparently they might give him an extension however giving him an extension would kind of kill the idea that Jordan Love could take over at some point in the near future for Aaron Rodgers so you're the Packers the hell are you doing with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love situation
2: yeah it's kind of like they're trying to play both sides here I think they probably think given the last years they're still close and they want to get every last thing out of this guy before they have to realize okay now it's a real build mode you got to move on from him But you're exactly right. You drafted this kid in 2022. Uh, I'm sure he's going to learn a lot behind Rodgers. But don't you at some point have to make a decision here? It's almost like they're trying to play both sides until they can finally say, maybe it's just one more year. What if the last two years they've been somewhat close? If they go close again and don't get it done, maybe then they're like, all right, we've got to move on here. But I agree. They've got to make a decision, I would think, in the next year. You can't keep sitting this guy every year, can you?
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Rodgers has three years left on his current deal. And, I mean that's a lot for him. And like they can get rid of him after this next season, yeah. but it'd be a 17 million dollar dead cap hit. And here's the thing with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be a top 10 quarterback for the next 3 seasons.
2: Bro, yeah. Which would yep.
1: mean is if he just plays out his current contract, he's probably a top 10 quarterback for the next 3 seasons, which would right. mean the Packers have a top 10 quarterback for the next 3 seasons, which is good, but it also means Jordan Love would have one year left on his rookie deal by then. And that one year would be the fifth year extension that they would have to pick up before ever seeing him play. And again, it goes back to the same thing that people asked on draft night. Why the hell did the Packers draft Jordan Love? Like, why did they draft him? Because even... Here's the thing. Even if they loved him and thought he was good, they got Aaron Rodgers for three more years now. Like, I I don't know what they're doing with their quarterback position because the timeline... It doesn't match
2: up. Jordan Love's going to be on his second contract before he gets a chance to play. Do you remember, we can look it up, probably not much, any idea how much? How long Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre?
1: Wasn't it three seasons?
2: Was it three? Okay, so would this be Jordan Love's third season? But, you know, again, the contracts of Favre and Rodgers at this point are probably different. Um, I just don't know, again, if you go three years with him and you don't win the Super Bowl this year, like I said, you're right, it's a big dead cap hit, but at some point, I think you got to move on to him. That's why you took him. You took him in the first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would you would think so, but I also, think so. It's, you know, how Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal last year, and yeah, be, no, he's great. You'd be looked at as the worst franchise <laughs> in football if you decided, what? ah, that. We're gonna Wait. move on from Aaron Rodgers to go to Jordan Love.
2: Hold on, Tyler. I'm texting the boss. Let's get a picture of Aaron Rodgers in a Raiders uniform. Oh uh, yes, put, put, him him put, on the put that baby on the front page. Let's put go. that baby on the front page. You know, Make I woke sure. up and saw Aaron Rodgers in the newspaper. Make Fuck sure it gets delivered to, to one yes, house in yes. the entire city. In one yes. house.
3: I would love Ed to just abuse his power at the paper <laughs> to just be like, uh, f- <laughs> yes, I need a special edition delivered to only one house.
2: Well, we can take two papers because apparently two guys live right next to each other. So the paper oh, guy, he can right. throw one over one wall and the other over the other one. We're set.
0: Great question. Oh, Thank awesome. you.
2: Minnesota
1: has hired Ben Johnson as their next head coach. He was an assistant at Xavier and he is a Minnesota alum. What that means, though, is that the Mountain West will not lose a coach to the Minnesota job. There were multiple that were uh, involved in that head coaching search. Craig Smith was.
2: Did Craig Smith ever do his interview? Well, I, I'm talking to someone yesterday about this and, like, Pretty sure Craig Smith's on campus. And I said, well, someone should tell him someone just took the job then. Because maybe he'll want to he'll, he'll check out of that hotel and just go back to Logan. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I, the, 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 You know, the talk was he was on campus yesterday. I don't know how that could be true unless, you know, unless this leaked out, you know, uh, sooner than Mark Coyle wanted. Uh, the other coach, Brian Dutcher, uh, according to the Union Tribune, uh, Mark Coyle asked him to speak to him over the weekend. Uh, right after they lost, Dutcher said he wanted a few days to decompress. Apparently Coyle didn't want to wait that long. The interesting thing to me is Johnson, who played there and is coming back, got we talked about this yesterday, five year contract, one point nine five a year. And you said this yesterday. In the Dutcher realm of things, if Sandy State can get you to 1.5, I don't know if I'm leaving for one nine. Not that he got the offer, you know what I mean? I thought that, yeah. that that number was gonna have to be like two and a half or something. Yeah. I so did Dutcher lose his uh
1: leverage to get an extension and raise?
2: That's, you know, the story says that they've agreed in principle to something. It'll be discussed this week. But again, yeah, I think he he probably did. Maybe maybe the leverage is now not more money, but years or whatever. But yeah, I mean, if, if you know he didn't get the job, you know, and, and you're about to offer a lot of money, maybe he lost the leverage. Exactly.
1: That's a great, great question. ESPN will have three Monday Night Football doubleheaders next season. That is according to Albert Breer. They're also going to uh, ABC is going to get two games in Week 18 when the NFL goes to a 17 game season. But here's my question: Should we have a doubleheader of Monday Night Football every week of the season?
2: I, you know what I'm going to say about this. If you're telling me the Raiders are on the road for the early game, yes. If you're telling me they have to play the late game, no. <laughs> I'm, very the, I'm very selfish in these. I'm very selfish in these answers to your questions when it comes to anything approaching deadlines. So if you're telling me. The Raiders open up on Monday Night Football, you know, in Chicago. Hey, we're all for it. But if they're at home against like the Chiefs, like, yeah, I don't want that. All right, let's ignore the
1: Raiders because they <laughs> they will make up maybe one or two of those games a year. When you're just yes. watching like the Colts and the Bears oh. and the Patriots and the Dolphins,
2: yes, I want are that. Are you good
1: with yes. two Monday Night doubleheaders yes. every week? As I,
2: long as it's not negatively affecting my life, then yes, I would like two two games. <laughs>
1: i would prefer it more prime time games or more games that are played in their own time slot that aren't on sunday i think makes for more entertaining and gives us a, a you know you spread the week out a little bit more and it makes it better
2: that, that was very tyler bischoff of me by the way
3: i'm thinking of only it me was. i'm that only is, thinking
1: about me i appreciate that that's, that's a good way to think about things
3: <laughs> me <laughs>
1: next question Elgin Baylor died at 86 years old yesterday. I have one tweet to share for you guys about Elgin Baylor, and this is from Scott Osler. Apparently, Elgin Baylor gave out nicknames uh, to teammates. Uh, Jerry West was apparently Tweety Bird, and one of his bald teammates he called Desert Head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like Elgin Baylor. I like Elgin Baylor even more than I did.
3: Right? Oh, my God. That's we need, such a good name. Good we for We
2: need Elgin Baylor.
1: Like, we need his influence in hockey.
3: Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Like, yes.
1: Hockey nicknames are the least creative thing. Meanwhile, uh, Elgin they're, they're Baylor He's a, y.
2: Yeah. a y. bald guy and calls him Desert Head, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. The, the hockey not, nicknames start with add an Y or an E-R. Glasser. Stoner. Uh, Marchy, who else they got over there?
3: Patches. Oh, the
2: patches. Yeah, the ES doesn't work there, but yeah, it's just kind (laughs) of add a few letter, add a few letters again. On purpose. Yeah.
3: Uh, Uh, No, there's the crazy. There's there were a lot of really really moving stories about Elgin Baylor that came out yesterday, and the one I got stuck on. That dude worked with Donald Sterling for like two decades. Yes. And now that like. Now the Clippers are good. It's just, dude, I mean, like, it's like, come on!
2: That guy that guy should have, uh, he should have been in the Hall of Fame just for that. Not only was, like, one of the greatest players I've ever been, like having Hall- to deal with that for two decades.
3: The Hall of uh, Fame of patience. Just yes. Like,
2: and the other thing about Elgin Baylor, and this is so typical of Twitter, I don't know why people ha- care about it, but they were shown on the NCAA tournament on the, on the halftime show, obviously they said he had died and showed clips of him. You know, and these are the clips from, like, Many many years ago, and right on Twitter like I couldn't play today. It's like just pump the brakes. Why do people always care? About that? Why do you care? And by the way, he could play today, but it's one of those things like they have to go to that. It's like you know what? Different eras mean different things, and he was incredible in his era. The first tw- the first ten tweets I saw, other than hey, you know, prayers to his family, it's like ah, but could he? But he could. But he could guard LeBron today. I don't think so. When
1: Shut Elgin Baylor played in what, the 60s? Like yes, yeah. yeah. like, come on. talking six decades yeah.
3: ago, I yeah. couldn't play. Yeah, like you're ripping the guys. Okay, whatever. Like, well, all Twitter right. just kills me. <laughs> he couldn't play today because he would have been in his 80s. <laughs> I mean, it's, exactly, it's, he passed at like 80, 86 years old. Yes, he probably could not guard
2: LeBron. God, good. That's just my rant there. I hate that stuff. Next
1: question. Jaden Nunn decommitted from Iowa State. So, the storyline here is that Jaden Nunn, he's an unranked uh, recruit in oh. the 2021 recruiting class, uh, but he decommitted because he said he had not heard from T.J. Otzelberger. And the interesting part on the UNLV side is that Jaden Nunn is teammates with UNLV signee Arthur Columa. So... If you're hoping that UNLV is going to be able to keep Arthur Kaluma around, I would think this is good news because I would think this makes it less likely he leaves and goes to Iowa State because his teammate has now decommitted from Iowa State.
2: Well, I think if you're, if you're Kevin Kruger, you haven't already, get some film on Jaden Nunn and see if you like him too. Yeah. Bring the pen. I I mean, oh, I do, Jaden Nunn, but I'm just saying, you know, he committed to Iowa State. I know it's a Big 12 program, wasn't a very good program, but... I mean, I'm sure they've already seen him. If his kid committed to Big 12, I'm sure at some point along the way they've seen him. But, yeah, I would, I would say, hey, bring your friend. I mean, if, if he's good enough, bring your friend. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing about TJ. I don't, look, I'm not going to say I don't know what's happened. But at usually, though, usually pretty soon after you're introduced, isn't it, especially in basketball because there's a few of them, isn't it like kind of expected you reach out to who signed? I, I would think maybe even before I mean, you maybe before I think that's what you usually do. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, that would be my guess. So I. here's the thing. Jaden Nunn is an unranked recruit. There's a very good chance that T.J. Otzelberger was like, Jaden Nunn's not good enough to play for the for Iowa State. There's a very good chance that's he said correct. that. And like you said, he's teammates with Arthur Kaluma. I'm sure Otzelberger has seen him play a lot. So it's very possible that Otzelberger and whatever, it was just low on his priority list and he just didn't get around to it in time and he does not he's not that interested in keeping Jaden Nunn around. Now, if he was trying to steal Arthur Kaluma and bring him to Iowa State, I would think he would have made Jaden Nunn a priority. So I, I read into all this as though Arthur Kaluma is not going to follow Otzelberger to Iowa State. Now, does that mean he's going to stay at UNLV? Well, we'll find out. Your coach leaves after you've already signed. Not many guys actually do stick around, but keeping Kevin Krueger makes that a little bit more likely. I would think makes that a little bit more likely anyway. Man, you know, that's a great question. Do we have time for one more, Jared? Nick Nurse was fined $50,000 for throwing his mask. And my only question is, why can't coaches wear their masks? I don't know.
2: I mean, have you seen the NCAA oh. tournament? Man. I mean, <laughs> the NCAA tournament... Huggins might have worn or should have worn his around his wrist. I mean, some of these guys, some of these guys aren't wearing them at all. And players, I thought the players were supposed to go to the sideline. They're socially distanced on their chairs. First thing they're supposed to do is put on the masks. And it's one thing if you've played like 30 straight minutes. I'm seeing guys who haven't been in games since like last November with no masks on in the sideline. It's like, hey, you never get in the game. Why are you, why don't you have a mask on? I I don't know why they can't. My favorite coach. Is Dennis
1: Gates of Cleveland State because he wore the mask that is see-through. You can see his mouth through the mask, but he would still pull it down to talk to his players. Ah, oh,
2: it's great. Oh, it's you, know what, you, you know what know was a weird look was that uh, that Josh Pastner with the uh, the, uh, the you know the mask, the shield. That was oh kind of God. a strange look from that.
1: Pastner has the shield, <laughs> and at one point <laughs> he flipped it up to talk <laughs> to one of his players. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? <laughs>
2: He flipped it up to, like,
1: say, we love you, ESPN. Thanks for covering us, guys. Leave it down. What are you doing? All right. Coming up next, we will jump into the Golden Knights because they dominated the Blues in the third period last night. William Hill is giving you a free $50 to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account. Use the promo code GET50. That is G-E-T-5-0. And then when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free $50 into your account from William Hill. You get a free 50 bucks and you can place all your bets straight from your phone as long as you are in Nevada. It's bet50 50, get50 50. from William Hill. Just remember the promo code get50. For more details, visit williamhill.us.
3: Schwartz banks it behind. Tarasenko again, save. Tried for the long side wraparound. Rebound score. Vince Dunn puts home the rebound with a scramble in front. Vince Dunn ties it for St. Louis. 1-1 with 13.18 to go in the second.
0: We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Oh, it's just dry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stay positive.
1: The Golden Knights won last night. They beat the St. Louis Blues. It was 1-1 going into the third, and then the Golden Knights blew them out, scoring four times in the third period, while the Blues only had three shots on goal in the third period. So, everything is about the playoffs. We don't really care about regular season games. So the important question, Ed, do you think the Blues are the easiest matchup for the Golden Knights once they get to the playoffs?
2: You in a closet, kid?
1: Do I sound like I'm in a closet?
2: You sound very far away. But I did hear the question enough to know that yes, do you want the Blues over the Kings? Absolutely, you do. Absolutely, if there's a choice, after the way the Golden Knights have run through the Blues of late (laughs) eight, nine to one in the last two five or five one last night, four in the third. Why would you Why would you want that pesky three one lost Kings when you can play the Blues? So yes, I would say of those they could choose, I would I would choose the Blues in the first round. Do I
1: do I sound bad? Do I sound different?
2: No, I just. You sound further away just, for sure. If I if I'm in Summerlin, you sound like you're in Henderson, which I think you are anyway. But you sound like it.
1: I mean I'm si- I'm sitting in the same chair. The chair hasn't moved. It's worn holes into my carpet because it's in the same spot.
2: You have carpet I don't know
1: what to tell you. Yeah, who doesn't have carpet? Where else would my dogs pee? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the blues. <laughs> of the of the potential playoff teams, which does not include the Kings, uh, the Blues, I think, are the team right now you would want to play. Uh, Colorado is becoming looking like a an unstoppable force, but they're it a looks like Colorado we thought right. Yeah. They're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and you, just, yeah. you don't want to play that in the first round. Minnesota seems like a bad matchup, um, or at least as bad as it could be for a team that's going to finish third or fourth in this division. And that, that, that matchup seems like, oh, Minnesota, okay, they're not that good. Oh, they just ended your season in the first round. That seems like that could happen. Whereas St. Louis, I, I, I think you'd feel a lot more comfortable if you're the Golden Knights playing St. Louis in the first round than playing Colorado or Minnesota. So I well, think that's the best matchup uh, for the Golden Knights when we're looking at the playoffs. So if Vegas I mean, cruises to the one seed, you're hoping St. Louis ends up as the fourth.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you not? If you have to play someone in a best of seven, don't you want to play the team that's probably going to get like, three shots on you a night, like last night? So it would be helpful. Like, yes, it would be helpful. And at that point, there's really no goalie controversy. You could put uh, you could put uh, Logan Thompsons like, yeah, you go, in. everyone else is tired playing playing the Blues. We're going to get four shots. Um, that was, that la- was the I mean, best
1: part. They had 16 <laughs> shots last night. Like Robin Letter, I, Robin Letter oh. made like one good
2: save the yes. entire night. And you reminded us during the game at some point, I was watching basketball, but I tried to keep up on Twitter, that you reminded us it's absolutely true that the Golden Knights play harder for Leonard.
1: Oh, they do. Yes, <laughs> we we told that yesterday to uh, Justin Emerson. we got to get somebody to write this uh, big breaking story about it. They dominated the Blues last <laughs> yes. night. After getting dominated by the Kings the night before, what was different? <laughs> oh, the goalie was different. They hate Flurry and love Leonard.
4: Yeah.
2: Oh, get that out there. We gotta stay positive. Um, I I was happy for the Keegan Colasar kid though, because this is a long time coming. We 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 rightly as journalists chronicled every time he almost scored one. So let's rightly as journalists con- chronicle that he finally scored one, and you got to feel happy for him. Oh,
1: it's a good thing they never put him on waivers. <laughs> he would have never scored. Just think, he, they wouldn't have had that first NHL goal last yeah. night if they had put Kolasar on waivers. He might have gotten claimed yeah. by somebody else. But here's a here's a fun fact for you. Keegan Kolasar has more five-on-five goals this year than Cody Glass. Oh. Oh. And Cody Glass last night the Glasser. was a healthy scratch.
0: Yeah. It's
1: the second time in about seven days that he's been a healthy scratch, and Patrick Brown was inserted into the lineup. Um, how worried are you about Cody Glass? Well,
2: that's a good question because I – You'd think if, look, he's obviously struggling and uh, he gets the one goal, what, a couple games going, you know, William Carlson, it's Christmas morning. So they reacted like, hey, this kid's struggling. We're happy for him. Um, we know it's been a you know it's been hard for him, you know, trying to find some consistency. But I guess my question back to you is, depending on who they insert, like what's the worst, it's, it's a bad way to say it, but what's the worst of two evils at this point? If he's struggling, do you not want to try him to work out of it? Then healthy scratch him is the person you're bringing in there that much better over a sixth overall pick that you, I assume, are still considering a you know large part, large parts of your future, and yet you're healthy scratch them. So I don't really know because I look at who they bring in. I'm like, I don't know. Wouldn't you rather just let them work through some things?
1: You would think so. And last night is especially bad for Cody Glass because they were without Max Pacioretty again. So you're talking right. about a lineup that is missing one of its top six forwards, and yet still takes Cody Glass out of the lineup. Now, they don't play the same position, but still, the Golden Knights are, are searching for depth on their third and fourth lines, especially when Pacharetti's out, and Cody Glass is not an option for the Golden Knights last night. It's it's right. not great. Now, the long-term problem with Cody Glass is that he's supposed to be a center on a top-two line in the future. That's what like the projection here of yes. Cody Glass yes. is. When you take him in the top ten of the draft, You're expecting him to be a top-two center on your team. Now, we're still early. We're still early in his career. He still hasn't played a full 82 games. But the Golden Knights, as a team right now, they desperately need third-line production when they're top, especially when somebody like Pacioretty's hurt. And Pete DeBoer decided last night that they had a better chance moving Tomasz Nosik to the third line and Patrick Brown coming in. Like that's yeah. that's not good if you're if you're Cody Glass that's not good that Tomasz Nosek and Patrick Brown are determined to give a better give you a better chance yeah. to win a game like that's a brutal indictment of where Cody Glass is
2: something to watch obviously
1: yeah I mean well again we'll see he's been good on the power play the thing with Cody Glass he's been good on the power play and he was good when he plays with Mark Stone and Max Patch ready he looks good when he plays with good players when he doesn't play with the best players. He looks average to below average to a point where Pete DeBoer is taking him out of the lineup, and at some point, Cody Glass is going to have to be good enough that he sort of carries worse teammates, and that just, we haven't seen that in his career yet, and I don't know that we ever will, and I think it is fair to be worried about Cody Glass. All right, coming up next. Oh, God, I am not looking forward to this. We're going to talk about mascots with A.J. Mass.
0: Holy crap. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, say hello to our ethically neutral mascot. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Joining us now is A.J. Mass, who wrote a book that I will absolutely not be reading. It is titled, oh, Yes, It's Hot Here, on. Adventures in the Weird, the World of Sports Mascots. <laughs> Jesus! Um... AJ, most people listening to this show know my thoughts on uh, most mascots. So, what is this book? Some fluff piece to make us all like mascots more than we should?
4: Uh, well, don't worry, I won't be listening to this uh, radio show ever. That's so. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly, yeah.
4: Uh, no, it's 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 a history of the mascots. It's a history of wh- where mascots come from, why we have mascots at all, and uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a Mount Rushmore of the people who made mascots what they are today, which apparently is is something that is a nightmare to your dreams along the lines of Pennywise. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, okay, here here's the key. It's not all mascots. There are good mascots. There are mascots that are perfectly fine. I have just found that in Las Vegas specifically, we have a lot of terrifying looking mascots. Like, hey, Reb has now been retired by UNLV, but he was a horrible looking mascot. We've got a bunny that looks like he's come straight out of hell with our WNBA team. We've got this weird aviator thing that uh, that guy's horrifying. Like, We just have terrible mascots in this city, and they horrify me every day.
4: Uh, You know, you're not wrong. Uh, Thank you. I will will say, at least when you're talking about Buckets the Rabbit, NBA mascots, because they're performing these death-defying stunts, uh, you know, and they're they're doing the basketball tricks, I think they need to be a little bit more bulky and and look a little bit more ominous because they're performance pieces. But when you're talking about the mascots who are supposed to be there to interact with children, uh you know, <laughs> it, it's probably best that they don't uh look like someone that you're, you know, going to cross the street to avoid. <laughs> right?
1: That's exactly uh, it. That's my problem with the Las Vegas mascots is that if you saw like any of them on the street, you would avoid them as much as you possibly could.
4: Well, it it's it's a fine line. It, it's absolutely a fine line. I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Clark the Cub, who the Chicago Cubs uh instituted oh, as yeah. their mascot. Uh, Chicago, especially Cubs fans, are are much more in line with having a mascot that looks more like your Las Vegas mascots. They're, they're, it's more of a gritty city, and I say gritty, of course, you know, uh. in, a, in a nod to, to Gritty, who is a perfect mascot for Philadelphia. It works there. It uh. would not work in other places. Uh, you know, you want uh. the mascot to match the community, and, you know, a kid-friendly Yogi Bear Boo Boo-looking thing in Chicago doesn't work for that organization, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: I would trade Gritty for any mascot Vegas has ever had or will have. I think he's absolutely the greatest ever. Let me ask you this, though, AJ. Does the ranking in mascots improve? And I'm not saying this happened, but it might have. When a reporter asks a mascot a question, but the mascot says, you must refer to me as the mascot. Like, I don't think the team's playing very well. Cash, the soccer rocker said. (laughs) Like, if he refuses to get... and, And the point behind that, I guess, is mascots say, hey... You can't use my name because everyone thinks I'm this, and the kids will have a hard time with it. But wouldn't do you love the quotes where the mascot actually speaks in like first person?
4: Uh, mascot shouldn't talk. <laughs> mascot shouldn't talk. Back in back in the day when I was when I was Mr. Matt from '94 to '97, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays had a mascot, BJ Birdie, and they didn't own the mascot. The performer himself uh, owned the suit and kind of. Sold himself to the team, rented himself out like for parties and stuff. Um, And he was just a nonstop commentary. It's like, hey, it's me, BJ Birdie. How's it going? Everybody doing? Hey, look at me! me,
3: Hey, look at me! Hey, lady over here!
4: And is like the most annoying thing in the world. It's like I understand there's a job security standpoint that if you know if the character is connected to the voice of a person, then you kind of you know will have a little bit more staying power. But uh, you know if the point is to keep the illusion that this is a fictional character, then the fictional character shouldn't be talking. All right. You you want continuity. I mean, the players change year after year, you know, 40, 40 years from now, 40 years ago, completely different roster players. But if you want the continuity of the mascot so that, you know, you can take your your kid to the game and, hey, this is the same mascot who was here when I was growing up. Like, that's the point of the mascot, I think.
1: All right. Mr. Met is a perfect example. And it's the same problem we have with Las Vegas mascots. For me, it's all about the eyes. The reason mascots are horrifying is because they have these lifeless eyes that stare into your soul when you look at them. Mr. Met's a great example. It's always the eyes that make these things
4: horrifying. Well, I think that also has a lot to do with the performer inside the suit. I mean, inanimate—I agree with you. Inanimate objects that come to life— Freak me out. Teddy Ruxpin was always a nightmare fuel. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember a TV movie called Trilogy of Terror, where a woman brings home this, like, tiki doll, and the chain falls off, and it comes to life and threatens to kill her with a, with, with, you know, running around the house with knives. Like, it's a terrifying thing. I agree. But if the performer is able to imbue this thing with life, and yet... Uh, not, like, do cold, dead-eyed stares at you. I I think (laughs) it it goes a long way towards... I mean, you know, when I was in the suit, everyone around always knew when I was annoyed, when I I was, like, really... Like, they could tell, because it's just a shift in posture and stuff will do that. Uh, I I think you need a performer. You can't just do what a lot of organizations do and have the the intern who draws the short straw get in the suit that night. That's that's not what this is about.
2: (laughs) Has it... um, I was going to ask, has has it made, and look, I think a lot of people in the last several years maybe didn't pay as close attention to this until Gritty came along. And I think social media has allowed that character to just take it to levels now where people are like, this guy is just, he just does things that no one ever has done. What, how has social media changed that? Because is Gritty this popular like 20 years ago, and now he's just kind of a phenomenon?
4: Yeah, obviously social media, you know, be it Twitter or Instagram or anything where you can, you know, create that immediacy is going to increase the visibility of these mascots far beyond the fact that you may only be able to see them in the stadium. Uh, At the same time, there's a responsible way to do it and an irresponsible way to do it. I mean, even maybe five years ago, you had a lot of the baseball mascots in particular. They let the performer who was, in many cases, someone fresh out of college uh, just have the account and they didn't have any PR person doing it and it became this like trash talking where the mascots would be making fun of the other mascots and I know I know, whoever was handling the Mr. Met account like kept having to defend the honor of Mrs. Met and it was just like, wait, this is not what it's supposed to be about. You know, you, need, you still need to be professional about this. I mean, for me, it was always about interacting with the kids. That's the most important thing but you have to understand that you're always... The most visible thing in the stadium, Uh, especially during downtime, people are going to see you wherever you are. And if you don't act like people are looking at you all the time, you're going to do what one Mr. Met did and, you know, flip somebody off. It gets that and that goes viral. And now you got an issue.
1: Okay, as somebody that was Mr. Met, when you go to a sporting event, are you judging the mascots?
4: Oh, absolutely. Like
1: the The person in the mascot, I should say
4: absolutely i mean not not like you know like, oh, yo, how dare you like obviously i have done the job it's a job that very few people have done we're a very small community uh, who've done it on the professional level and every sport is different i couldn't do an nba thing i can't do the stunts and, and stuff it, there's a certain flavor for everything uh, that goes around there uh yeah i i go to games and i'm actually uncomfortable for for a long time i was uncomfortable going to games because i was always felt like i needed to be somewhere after all those years in the suit, it's like, oh, it's the second inning. I should be somewhere. I can't just be sitting here watching the game. That, once I got over that, it was a little bit easier. But, I'm, yeah, I'm always paying attention to the mascot and, and shaking my head or, or going, oh, that was, that was pretty good. You know, it, it, you can't help but have that kind of professional uh, judgment. I mean, I would love to do, like, a, a top mascot kind of show and be the Simon Cowell, absolutely.
1: I, I'd like to think there's an alternate timeline for you, AJ, where you where you were done being Mr. Matt and you spiraled out of control where you kept showing up to games in your own costume trying to walk around stadiums.
4: Yeah, there's a Patton Oswald movie there. Uh, we're just waiting <laughs> to happen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> who,
2: AJ, I remember um, one of the, you know, and you can tell me about what you thought of this one. It seems like the San Diego Chicken was kind of this one that transcended across the country and showed up at a lot of things, but who would be on your rush more? Who, who, who do you think of the all-time great mascots? Uh,
4: well, I... You know, I have a personal history with Ted, and I, I'm not a big fan of him as an individual outside of the suit. And I've gone on record of saying this many well, times. Well,
2: Yeah, a lot of people there with you. But, yeah, but just uh, to, in terms of the mascot.
4: But, yeah, I mean, if not for him, there is there is no mascot uh, today. I, I, he's definitely on the brush more just for his performance and what he did. Uh, certainly Dave Raymond has to be there for the Philly Fanatic. Uh, you know, Phine- Phillies only had two performers in the history of this you know on a regular basis. It, it, uh, Dave Raymond and Tom Burgoyne and, and Dave is certainly right up there and he's continuing to train new new performers today. He, he's dedicated his whole life to this. I really think he should be in Cooperstown uh, as the, inducted as part of the Buck O'Neill Award for contributions. And I, I really hope someday he does get in because I think his contributions to baseball have been amazing. Uh, Glenn Street with Calgary, uh, Harvey the Hound absolutely deserves to be there. Uh, and uh, Dan Mears, Casey Wolf. Those would be my four. Well, wait a minute, and let me say? ask you:
2: I might have missed the story, and I can't believe I have because I think this guy's the greatest ever, and I've read way too much about him. But has it been made public on who gritty is?
4: It has not been made public. I know for the very first appearance, it was Dave, but that was just at, at okay. Uh, Dave Ray, but that was just at the the initial. They hadn't hired somebody yet. I don't personally know who's in the suit. I I I mean. Yes, could I find out? Sure. Is it that important? Yeah. No. Uh, but wh- whoever it is, and it might be, it might be more than one person. It might be, it might be two. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gritty is just doing a fantastic job. Uh, absolutely, certainly the best uh, NHL mascot right now. Uh, you know, in baseball, it's 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 orbit down in Houston. I think uh, you know, scandals aside, that he, he's really doing a fantastic job in, in terms of taking the taking those next steps and doing skits that you haven't seen before
1: well let's let's finish out the power rankings here best nba mascot is
4: <sighs> you know i don't watch a lot of nba to be honest with you i know uh, milwaukee bucks have some uh, good stunts there but i don't think it's the same performer doing bongo anymore so i'm not entirely sure on that
1: uh, how do you feel about the giant inflatable ones? I know the Bucks have one. UNLV had one where they can deflate and inflate very quickly because those are some of the most terrifying mascots I've ever seen.
4: Yeah, I, I don't consider those mascots. i, okay. I just, they're, they're, they're the they're the, <laughs> zoop, they're the superstars type of mascot, uh, you know. And these there was this, this inflatables that went around, you know, like uh, with punny names like Clammy Sosa. Uh, you know, and they'd it, swallow an umpire because you could fit an umpire through the mouth hole. I, it's, it's a great performance, but it's it's not a mascot. Because for me, a mascot, if it can't interact with the fans, especially the younger fans, then it's really not doing the job.
1: Did you say earlier that only two people have ever been the Philly Fanatic?
4: Uh, as a full-time regular. Yeah, they have a few backups. But yeah, okay. uh, Dave Raymond from the beginning to 93, and then Tom Burgoyne is still doing it since 94.
1: Wow. That is... That's well, a that's long time. time. Yeah, I, I, I just need I, I cardio him.
4: for that. Jeez. I keep asking him. I said, "This is the last year." And every t- every, can I go to? I can't go to like one or two Phillies games a year because I'm I'm nearby. He's always like, uh, "One more year. Mm, one more year." Wow. <laughs>
1: I just I don't know, I just assumed there would be more turnover. I didn't think that would be a hey, yeah, this is this is my job for three decades.
4: Well and the Phillies are a fantastic organization, uh, in terms of this. You know, I, I you can read my book and find out what I feel about the Mets organization. And it's a new it's a new regime finally. <laughs> so things are different now, but uh I, I did not get along with the Will Pottons. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> Have you seen anything that I don't know, gives gives you a little spark of a light when you see chance to kill a monster?
4: I don't understand it. Yeah, um,
2: there you go. There you go. I mean... No, 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 that's what we, I don't need. I never have. So I'm, I'm glad you're the expert. I'm very glad to be on your side of the fence here.
4: Well, I mean, I like the name. The name the name is perfect for Vegas. Chance, that makes sense. I, I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, why he's not a golden knight, I don't understand. <laughs> um, and if you're going to go animal, uh, okay, I, a snake eye, sure, that makes sense. Uh <laughs> a monster? I mean, are you the uh, are you the Arizona Diamondbacks? I don't like it, it, it's, it's much more, I know you're in a desert, but you know, right? It doesn't really speak to the Strip. Yeah, there you go.
2: Well,
1: he is AJ Mass, and again, he wrote a book uh, about mascots. Yes, it's hot in here. Adventures in the word weird woolly world of sports mascots. I will um, be reading it. AJ, we appreciate it's- it. We might have you back on to talk some actual baseball since you cover that too. But uh, we can't get enough of mascots, so that's certainly more important.
4: All good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks,
1: AJ. Thanks, AJ. Take care. So
2: uh, there is c- a confirming, Mouse. C- confirming the opinion on chance. Oh. Had to get that in there in the end.
1: Listen, I'm just, I'm just glad an expert on mascots agreed with me that many of the mascots in this town, like
2: buckets, you would uh. cross the street if you saw them walking towards you. We didn't shoot enough three pointers,
4: Bucket said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the bizarre part I, I get it like and I get it you have know, little kids so the you know the whole fantasy of no that's that person I don't know what five year olds reading the sports section or whatever but I mean I it, 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 I don't know sometimes it just kind of goes to a new level that's a little strange with like you know the fantasy part of it and it's no there's a dude in there there's a man or woman in that suit they're in there they, they're, they're real people they're going home they're having a sandwich stopping at Jimmy John's like all the rest of us they're in there <laughs> I mean
1: <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we talk to Luke Perkdandy of PropSwap.com.
0: We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds.
1: Joining us now from PropSwap, it's Luke her dandy and all right, Luke. I I gotta know. We got a region in the NCAA tournament where one of Houston, Syracuse, Loyola, or Oregon State is gonna make the Final Four. How many tickets on those four teams do you guys have?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean Loyola Chicago has just been perfect for groundswab. We've been obviously preaching to get in the Loyola trains in December. So I hope I hope a lot of our listeners decide to do that. Yeah, I mean one of the most notable Loyola tickets the uh, the sixty dollar fifteen hundred to one ticket uh, from the MGM Grand back in June, uh, that sixty dollar ticket is now worth six thousand dollars <laughs> on PropSlot. <swap. laughs>
1: okay, I, I need goodness. them in the Final Four just to see that ticket and what what it could sell for.
0: <laughs> I don't want it to
1: sell before then. I want them in the Final Four before that happens. All
0: uh, right. Well, I'm, I'm incentivized to move these tickets. But I I'll, know you I'll, are. I know book. you are.
2: <laughs> How uh? When you got through the first round with some upsets, um, did tickets start flying again? What's kind of the the, the pace with an NCA tournament when top seeds start to start to fall in terms of how people want to then move tickets?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people sold their uh, Illinois tickets, so good good on them. They were eighty to one in December was University of Illinois, and then when the tournament started, they were six to one. I think a lot of people took advantage of that, but we've still seen tons of Loyola tickets floating around Twitter and the internet of people that didn't sold, didn't sell. Um, Michigan has been a really popular team on Prop Slop. Um, You know, this morning we saw a ton of Oral Roberts tickets get posted. Just a crazy, crazy <laughs> ticket. We, we found a hundred dollar bet. On Oral Roberts, just to win the region, they don't have to win the championship. Just got to go to the Final Four. A hundred dollar ticket is now worth ten thousand dollars on PropSwap on Oral Roberts.
1: Oh. Okay, did Man. you know you had such a loyal Oral Roberts alumni base at
0: PropSwap? <laughs>
3: <Yeah.
0: laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I'll be honest. These guys clearly are betting the board before the tournament starts. They'll take, you know, fifty teams. Um, but, I mean, Oral Roberts was a trendy pick. I think a lot of people didn't have a ton of confidence in Ohio State. Ohio State lost uh, the last four games of the season, the last four or five. I believe like they limped into the to the Big Ten tournament. So they were kind of a trendy pick. So, you know, Oregon State, we've seen a ton of tickets on. I mean, it's, you know, we we t- talked on the show and many times throughout the season, like, we thought this would be a very unpredictable tournament teamings were wrong. You know, you're comparing a 30-win uh, team versus, a, you know, a 20-game season team. Like, they're just very difficult to compare apples to apples in a season like this. And it's just led to so many upsets, which is what I would do with for.
1: Well, he is Luke Perkdandy from PropSwap.com, and if you if you have an Oral Roberts ticket or if you yes. want to buy an Oral Roberts ticket, uh, check out PropSwap.com. Luke,
0: we they're, appreciate they're it. They're two wins away. You know, they are, it, they It's are. crazy I hear you, but they're, they're two wins <laughs> away. They can, they can do
1: it. Thanks, Luke. We appreciate Thanks, Luke. it.
0: Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Man, Oral Imagine Roberts.
1: having an Oral Roberts like ticket. clutching
0: onto that ticket right now. The dental parlay.
2: Oh, God, the dental oh. parlay. Oh, that's right. The dental parlay is still alive. Hey, have God, we, what does that mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Have
1: we come up with an actual like uh, definition for the uh, dental parlay? I
3: mean, as of right now, it just means if you have a parlay that involves Colgate <laughs> and Oral yes, Roberts. Oral
1: Roberts, but that may never uh, happen again in the history of the sport.
2: No, I know and I, I mean when I when you look in the face. Of a seasoned expert like Todd Dewey, and he stare, He blinks. Uh, looks starely uh, back at you with a blank stare. You kind of <laughs> realize that uh, nobody knows what that means.
1: Wait, <laughs> and I okay, I we need to come up with fake terms for not just sports betting, <laughs> but fake terms for like all sports. And you just go to whoever your beat writer yes, is for the that expert. sport, and just yes. just ask like Dave Shane some made up hockey term, yes. just to see how they respond. Ask Vinny exactly. some made up football term, just to see how they respond.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna like, oh, what can we say? Like, I'm gonna go to Dave. And say, listen, man, I don't want to step on your toes. I'm writing a column on uh, like the back check zone uh, zone sweep or something, and uh, <laughs> you know check. Keegan's been really Keegan's been really good at that. Do you mind if I write that? And they'll be like the long pause, like you're writing about what? <laughs> like just some kind of crazy, it's crazy words. En-
1: uh. Enough that it, enough that it sounds just a little bit real. Like there's a yes, possibility yes. that it's real, so that so that they question themselves yes, yes. and say, wait, am I missing something? Is that? <laughs> Can you imagine? I,
3: why why haven't I been I covering mean, that? Yes,
2: Dave Shane is like, well, should I be on this? Ben, Ben, it's Dave. We're completely missing what Ed's writing about about the back check swoop move. <laughs>
1: All right, well, I, I have I have a tweet to read before we hit this break here. This is from Paul Himbo, who uh, produces Get Up on ESPN Radio. The day Sister Jean was born, Babe Ruth tripled and drove in two runs for the Boston Red Sox. Wow! God, love Sister it. Jean My could goodness. have watched Babe Ruth play. And watched Loyola Chicago go to two Final Fours in four seasons. That's stretching it a bit. Not going to lie to
2: you.